You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. It is, it's great uh, to be back. We have been virtually watching church over the internet. Um, so we've been with you, you know, virtually. But it's good to actually be back um, with everyone. We had a great time. We were serving with a ministry in Costa Rica called uh, Six Eight Ministries. And uh, it was just a great experience for our family. And I'm sure over the next year, we'll be processing the things that happened. Um, unfortunately, not a lot of it falls into today's talk about romantic love. <laughs> Kit will understand that more than anyone else <laughs> of why this might not be appropriate for this. Um, you know, like we said, we've been in this, in this um, you know, series where we've been talking about these different expressions in some dead language of ancient Greek of, of love. And the, the fear is, you know, the concern is that we just learn something that we like know. Just something that we can, you know, chalk up as, yeah, I know the different words for love in ancient Greek. Well, you know, whoopity doo, you know, like that's not, that's not really going to bring a lot to us. If that's all, if that's all we get out of it is to learn a word. And the thing is, it's easy for, it's easy for, for us to do. It's easy for me to do. It's much easier for me to teach that, you know, I'd love to do a Greek word study. That's, that's just fun, right? Okay. Maybe not for everybody. Um, but I come back and, you know, I've got romantic love, right? That's the, that's the love that I get to teach on, eros, the romantic love. And so I'm like, how do I get that? You know, how did I, how did I end up with that? And my wife, she's like, yeah, how did he get that? Um, like, I'm not what you might call, you know, the, the expert in this area. Like emotionally, I'm, you know, more like Mr. Data, you know, um, Again, I'd be much more comfortable with the Greek word study. Um, but the, the challenge for us, I believe, as a church, and this whole study is to figure out what is God, how is God challenging us? What can we learn about how God has created us, how God has created us as people, and who, who God is? Why would he create the things that he does? Why would he do things the way that he does things? And, um, and so as we go through this study, that's my prayer. That's my prayer is that, that you would be challenged. And so I just want to invite God right now to do that, um, to challenge us uh, in today's talk and in the series, just that we would, we would find something that would move us uh, to know more about who we are, to know more about who God is, and that that would change us so that we can become more and more like Jesus, so that we can live more and more like who he is. So God, I do, I invite you to come right now. Lord, we, we, um, we just want to know you. We want to know more about how you've created us and how you've created life and how we can become more and more like you. And um, we ask that you would bless this time, bless this talk in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're talking about eros. Eros, um, you know, related to the word erotic. Um, don't do a Google word search. You're not going to find probably what you're looking for. Hopefully not what you're looking for. Um, eros, it, it, it is the romantic love. And at first, you know, when I, when I, when I got it, I was like, oh boy, it's going to be a sex talk. Um, it's not. Eros is the, is, it, it, is, it is the emotional response that we felt or that we feel um, 
You know, it's, it's, it's romance. And so my, my challenge, right? The, the thing that you've got to do right now is to think about that relationship. Think about that relationship where you experience this emotion that God has given you, this Eros love, okay? If you're married, it better be with your spouse, okay? If you're, if you're not married, maybe it's, you know, somebody that you're, you're dating or that you have dated. It's a crush that you've had. Just think about that experience, that good feeling of eros that you had where, where this person was just everything. It's, it's, a, it's a euphoria, right? It's an obsession. One of the authors I was reading who talked about eros as this obsession with this other person that you experienced and it was like everything else just faded away and it was all about this person. That's the feeling that we're talking about. That is eros. It's powerful. It's exhilarating. Think about that. Think about that person that you found something about them so attractive. And it might not even have been a physical thing. It was just there was something about them that you found so attractive. It might not even have been based in reality, okay? Nobody else saw what you saw, but you saw it and you wanted this, this person. This was your beloved. This was your obsession. This is the person that, that, that you just wanted everything for. This person that you found so attractive, this person you were willing to sacrifice everything. You, you're, you're, this, this is a relationship where sacrifice is like a badge of honor. It's like this the martyr complex that we have, okay? When we experience eros, we want to be with them so bad. We want everything. And so we're willing to sacrifice. I don't care. It's for love. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm willing to give it all up. I don't care. I don't care if I flunk out of school. I don't care if I lose my job. Have you seen this person? She's my beloved. I am willing to give it all. I am absolutely willing to sacrifice. And the more that I sacrifice, the more I, yes, it's because I love, I love her so much. I love him so much because of this love. I'm willing to do it. You saw past their weaknesses. You saw past reality, <laughs> right? There were no weaknesses. This person is perfect. Have you met this person? This is the most perfect person I've ever met. There is nothing wrong. And your friends are like, no, he just got out of jail. He beat his girlfriend. He's been out for three weeks. He's been awesome. It's been great. I don't know what you're talking about. This is eros. This is the feelings that we, that we get caught up in. And some of you right now, okay, you just want to throw up a little bit because you're not, you're not thinking about the relationship that you had with somebody. You're thinking about somebody else that you know that's currently in this relationship. Don't do that. It's going to ruin the whole talk, Okay. Think about for yourself, when you experienced this euphoria, when you felt this obsession, and when you would do things like, you know, what do you want to do for dinner? No, I don't know. What do you want to do for dinner? Oh, no, 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 no. What do you want to do for dinner? Oh, I don't care. I just want to make you happy. Or, no, no, you hang up first. You hang up first. Okay, click. Oh, I didn't hang up. You know, we all did it. You know you did it. Why? Because you were so concerned about the other person, so concerned about their happiness, right? You just wanted them to be happy. You wanted to be with them. You wanted everything for them. And it's not, this is the thing. It's not about sex, right? I would love to have a talk about sex. How you doing, mom? (laughs) So glad that you made it to church today to hear me speak. Um, I would love to have a talk about sex, you know, to talk about the, the godly perspective. 
sex, I'm a big fan. Um, it, you know, talk about the godly perspective on sex and what the Bible has to say about sex. But you know what? It's not this talk. Okay, some of you are like, whoo, eros. It's not about sex. There, there's other, there's an, another Greek word. It's like hornios or lustios, you know? But eros, <laughs> hornio, okay. Um, eros Eros is that feeling. And it, you know, think about that. Think about when you were in that relationship, when you were feeling that Eros or, or for that person, you know, if you were to talk to them about sex, they're like, oh, oh, my beloved, you know, like that's beneath. It's like, no, no, no. Our relate, we've transcended sex. We're so much more like, like that's the, the euphoria, this love experience. It's not about the sex. It's absolutely possible for sex without Eros right? Eros, you desire your beloved. C.S. Lewis, you know, he, he makes this point really well where he talks about that with Eros, we desire the beloved. We, we, it's like, there's no other way to describe it. It's not the pleasure that we get from them. It's not something, it's we desire them. We want them. Any way that we can have them, we just want them. Oh, I just want to be with you. I just want to, I just want to be around you. Like whatever. It's just this desire to be with the other person, the company, the happiness, the good, the good being together thing. But it's not about sex. It's not about the selfish pleasure. It's about the beauty of the beloved don't trust our culture, right? Don't trust. And then it's a whole nother sermon to talk about chick flicks and, 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 and what feeds our minds uh, in this culture about what it means to love and, and, and to think that sex has been raised to this place of just worship. And that's what it's all about. And it's not. And Eros isn't what it's all about either. But Eros is just something that we experience. It's this good feeling. It's this euphoria. And it makes us do absolute crazy things. Think about that for a second. It makes us do crazy things. When you experience eros, crazy good, crazy bad, and just crazy, right? When you're, when you're feeling this, and I was thinking about, and it's been fun, I've been talking to people and asking them, you know, what is, some, what is the craziest thing that you did for this, for this love? Where you just look back and you're like, that makes no sense, um, but you did it. And I was thinking about Kit and I's first date. It's like, I don't know why, it's like 12 in the afternoon, she comes by the office and I'm like, gone. Ding! It doesn't matter. It could have a million dollar proposal I'm working on. I don't care. I'm out the door, right? I don't know what I was working on. I don't care. I was gone. It makes no sense. I'm gone. I remember um, one time driving back from, Kit and I had a date. This is kind of romantic that I am. We had a date at Subway um, for lunch. You remember this? And I'm in Tallahassee. I'm in Tallahassee working or something. And something runs long and I'm afraid I'm going to miss you know, our subway date, you know, $5 footlongs. Um, I, I mean, I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to miss this date. And I am speeding like you would not believe down I-10 to make it back for this subway date. And if I had gotten pulled over, it would have just been more sacrifice. Like I would have just had to tell, you don't understand. I did it for love. You know, like seriously, it was just, it makes no sense. I listen to country music. Okay, that's crazy. I don't listen to country. I remember a friend got in my car and he's like, dude, you don't, you don't listen to country music. Huh? Yeah, yeah, sure I do. Why? Because my beloved listens to country music. We do absolute crazy things and we, and we hear it, right? We hear, we hear it in, uh, in other people. You know, oh, he plays Xbox till two in the morning. Isn't that so cute? You won't think that's so cute. <laughs> you might think it's now, but it's gonna change. 
It makes us do absolute crazy things and it makes desperate, grandiose vows. Eros, C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, love makes vows unasked and you can't even be deterred from making them. So we say things like, I will be ever true. This is it. You are the one. No other thing has ever compared to this. No experience, nothing can cure us in this, in this state from the delusion that we have. And we all know people who have been convinced, no, 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 this time it's the real thing. Oh yeah, yeah, the other one, the other one that I told you, no, 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 that was nothing. This one, this is the one, right? We've all gone through these experiences. Eros, true romantic love is an emotional response that God has given us that we get to experience. But the reality is we know, we know that eventually our feet touch the ground, right? Eventually this, this love, C.S. Lewis describes as the most mortal of our loves. This is the love that uh, it, we, we fall into, right? We talk about falling in love. In other words, we didn't cause it to happen. It wasn't a result of discipline that brought this love into being. Um, it just happens to us. In, in the same way, it, it, it can die. It's the most mortal of our loves. It can, it can dissipate. It can go. It's an emotion. It's tied to circumstance. It's conditional. One psychologist, um, Dr. Dorothy Tenev, did this long-range study of the in-love phenomenon, eros, basically being in love. And she studied it, and she concluded that the average lifespan of a romantic obsession is two years. So the average lifetime for this eros is two years. That's why I had to marry Kit, like, quick, man. <laughs> I knew if we didn't get married, like, it's going to wear off. She's going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. The average lifespan of this experience is two years. So it's gonna, it's, it's gonna wear off. It's gonna diminish. And we, and we know that we see it because we hear people who make the mistake of thinking that it's gonna last forever. And they say things like, I just don't love them anymore. I just don't love them anymore. Well, well you know, they're, in, they're saying, I just don't eros them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Eros wasn't meant to be, that's, not, that's a small fraction of love. It is one dimension. It is one sliver of, of love, of, of, of what love is. Eros is just one portion of it. And, and it's interesting as you go and you read different you know, authors and what they say about Eros in this, in this romantic love side of things. Um, I tend to agree with, with C.S. Lewis, with John Piper, who kind of, they take the, the, the tact that Eros isn't a bad thing. And I agree with them. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I don't think that it's, it's meant to be compartmentalized, like, oh, here's Eros, and here's agape, and here's, you know, friendship love and love for our children. Like, I believe it's a spectrum. You know, they are all, it's all love. It's just different slices of what love looks like, of the grandiose of what the love of God is. Think about this for a second, okay? The people that talk about Eros as being this negative thing, this bad thing, right? God created it, right? God created Eros. He gave it to us. So what does that communicate about God? What does that communicate about us? What can we take away from that? When people say things like, I just don't love them anymore, or it gets hard. Yes, you might not feel that way. And we're in a culture that says, oh yes, you know, this is what love is. And we as the church 
we as the people who, who have experienced God, who says, God says, I am love. God is love. We need to be the ones to say, no, 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 no. That's just a, that's just a sliver. That's just a fraction of love. You haven't experienced the breadth of love. Gary Chapman in one of, uh, in his book on the five love languages, he makes the point that, you know what? True, true love, true love, true love can't even begin until the romantic obsession has ended. He makes the point that true love can't even begin until the eros has subsided. Now, now it's a choice to sacrifice. Before it was nothing to sacrifice. Now we're making a choice. Now, now we begin the process of living together. We begin the process of reality, (laughs) of actually seeing the person, of actually, them actually seeing us in all, you know, all of our weaknesses, all of our issues. Now they couldn't see him before. Now they're going to see him and they choose to love us anyways. That's the, that's the breadth of love. That is experiencing true love. And I can say, you know, like Kit and I's courtship and Eros and, and all that is awesome. But compared to the love that we have now, like it's, it's I mean, it's, it's the lollipop. It's the lolly. It's just, it's just that little, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not diminishing. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying it was such a small part of the love that we have for each other. The love that, that God has called us to, the love that God has for us. Eros just points to this, this fraction of it. And we, as the church, need to be the ones to encourage people when they feel that. Like when, when the eros uh, is, is starting to wear off of encouraging them to pursue the greater love. And we'll talk about next week, the agape love of God. True love requires effort. True love requires discipline. Eros is like easy love, right? Like it's so easy. You didn't even think about it. You didn't even think about the sacrifices you were making. You didn't even think about the cost, right? It, and that's, what, that's why I think Eros is actually a good thing because it gives us a glimmer of what it's like to sacrifice and to love. You know what I mean? But it's easy. It's just, it's just wetting our appetite, showing us what it can be like. And I believe, that, you know, this is something else too. You know, okay, because Gary Chapman kind of takes the, the, the tact that Eros dies. And C.S. Lewis, you know, by calling it mortal, it kind of sounds like Eros dies. And I don't think it dies. I don't think it's dead. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, I'm never going to have that again. I think it's just something that requires discipline. It's something that we can continue to foster in our relationship. Now we can, we can openly, um, you know, it's not forcing the feelings, but, it, it, but it's ma- making it a discipline to, to sacrifice for the other person, to experience their happiness and in, enjoy the happiness that they have. You know, I was thinking about, um, Kit and I were having this conversation about, you know, what are the craziest things that we've done? And one of them was right before we left for Costa Rica, we went to this, this dance thing, this dance. I loved it. Dance recital. It was awesome. It, it was in a warehouse with no air conditioning and it was about 225 degrees. You know what I mean? And, and when I did it, you know, was there a hope of, you know, reciprocity? Reciproc- was there a hope of sex? Maybe. <laughs> but that wasn't the primary motivator. You know what I mean? Like I really was motivated by the joy that she experienced, being able to enjoy her enjoying this. You know what I mean? Taking the time to actually experience the joy of another person. 
to see it through their eyes and to say, you know what? She loves us so much. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm going to bear with this incredible heat and watch this thing. Another crazy thing. I know more about dance than, oh yeah. Eros, it's driven. The obsession subsides and the battle begins, right? Pat Benatar loves the battlefield, man. That's when the battle begins. Now you're fighting over, you know, which side of the bed and, and how, what you do in the bathroom and just ridiculous things. Whereas before when the Eros was going on, you know, love was so easy. He makes vows. Eros makes vows and it's we who have to keep them. It's we who labor to bring our daily life in close accordance with those glimpses that we experienced with Eros. C.S. Lewis says, we must do the work of Eros when Eros isn't present. True romantic love just gives us those glimpses. And so, okay, now we get to the hard stuff. Now we get to the hard stuff, which is really, okay, what does this tell us about God? Does, you know, one of, the, one of the questions, does God experience Eros? Does God experience Eros? And there's people that are like, no! You know, they, they, they just reject that whole notion and, and, and that it's carnal and that it's, you know, it's, it's almost, they'll call it, Eros is the lesser love, you know? Um, they call it a selfish love. And I don't, I don't think this, I really don't. And, and I, I believe um, John Piper is on my side with this, okay? He says this, he says, yes, God does love erotically, desiring his loved ones and delighting in their fellowship and their praise. That's the kind of passion that God has for us. John Piper is saying, he, he, his desire for us, it's like an obsession, the way that he loves us. One of the early church fathers talking about Jesus, he said, my eros is crucified. He chooses to say, my love, my lover, my beloved has been crucified. And if you think about Jesus, right? In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. The bridegroom, the enga- he's, we're engaged. You know what I mean? Like I, I, get to, I get to be around engaged couples, you know, when I do a wedding and stuff like that. And you know, they're the ones that just, they, they make you want to throw up just a little bit, right? You know what I'm saying? Because they're just in the throes of it, man. You know, that's where you hear stuff like, oh, he, oh yeah, he does this. Isn't it so cute? And you're like, oh yeah, you'll think that's real cute. In about two years, according to this psychologist. You know what I mean? But Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. He's, he's our engaged, we're engaged. And in, 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 in this is the engagement period that we're living in now. And then in Revelation, it talks about the feast. You know what? It's a wedding feast where the bride, we, the bride of Christ is presented to our bridegroom, to Jesus. What could be more eros than that? What, what, could, what could, you know what I'm saying? Like God has given us eros to give us a picture of, of what that relationship, yes, it's, it's fractured and it's conditional and there's problems with, with Eros, but it's not meant to be all of love. It's meant to be a picture of that. It's meant to, to just give us a taste of the love that God has for us. In the Old Testament, it's ridiculous. If you go and read in the Old Testament, God is the spurned lover, right? He doesn't, he doesn't sound like some, you know, intellectual that's far distant. He sounds like a spurned lover. Listen to this. This is in Hosea. He says, how, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. At one point, he says, my heart and my soul, I love you with all of it. 
I mean, this is a lover. Eros, I believe, is not a bad thing. I, don't, I, I believe that we as the church need to redeem it. We need to be the one to be able to speak to it. Like Josh was saying, you know, in his testimony, or David part two, whatever. When he gave his testimony and this idea that, that we need to be the voice of, of, of not saying, oh, that's a bad thing, that Eros, oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that's bad. But we need to redeem it and to say, you know what? That's, that's just a fraction of the way that God loves us. Isn't that amazing that God gives us this experience? Isn't it amazing that God would do this for us? That he would give us this experience just to show us what it's like to experience that kind of love. When we experience Eros, we get a taste of the love of God and it it inspires us. It inspires us to be able to do the things that are so hard to do otherwise. He says it like this, C.S. Lewis. He says, in one high bound, Eros has overleaped the massive wall of our selfhood, of our own selfishness, of who we are. It has made an appetite itself altruistic, something, you know, desiring the best for someone else tossed personal happiness aside as a triviality and planted the interests of another in the center of our being. Spontaneously and without effort, we have fulfilled the law towards one person. By loving our neighbor as ourselves, it is an image, a foretaste of what we must become to all if love rules in us. If love rules in us, this, this experience that we have, we have this taste where it's so easy to do it. And God says, yes, now that's what you need to go do. Now it will require love. It will require discipline. But this is what it looks like. You've seen it. You've had a taste of it. Now go and do it. And love doesn't just make the demand. Love empowers us to be able to do it. And that's what I think is um, you know, one of the most powerful things about what God does is that he doesn't just say, go and do this. He says, I will be with you. I will be the one that empowers you to do it. And you say, you know what? It's hard when, 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 the, when the, all of a sudden reality sets in and, and whatever, now we're starting to have differences and battles. And we say, now this love is so hard. It is God's love that empowers us to be able to, to do it. Yes, it is hard but God is the one that empowers us to do that. And this morning we have an opportunity to have communion. And one thread that I think goes through all of the love discussions that we've had is that when we experience love, it draws us to communion, right? It draws us to communion with another person. It draws us to communion with God. That is coming together, being of the same accord, right? whether it's with our, with our children, with our spouse, with God, all of love drives us to this place. And so now we have an opportunity this morning to take communion. And I believe this is the place where, you know, Jesus is talking to his beloved. And he says, just like you guys, this experience that I've had, I have found you attractive There is nothing attractive about you (laughs) of yourself, but I have found you attractive. Just like in our delusion, when we look past any any problem, Jesus is saying, I I have sought you out. You have been created in my image and I have found you attractive and I have found you worthy. I have seen in you something to be redeemed, something to be loved. And I am the one willing to make the sacrifice. I I want to make the sacrifice At one point in the New Testament, it says, for the joy set before him, 
for the joy. You are the joy. We are the joy. The bride of the bridegroom is the joy that was set before Jesus that made it so, you know what? He wanted to sacrifice. Just like we want to sacrifice when we experience eros, Jesus wanted to sacrifice for the joy. He was gonna receive great joy as a result of it. Is that selfish? Is that selfish of Jesus? I don't think so. He just knows that he experiences joy when we experience joy in him. For that joy, he's willing to do it. He's willing to look past the mistakes, willing to look past our failures, to be able to have communion with us to be able to have this love relationship with us. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. In my blood, do this. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus is, is, is showing them the sacrifice that is about to be made. This is my body that will be broken, the sacrifice that will be made. This is my blood that will be shed so that you can experience this communion. And so now we as a church have the opportunity to come forward and to participate. In this table, this communion is open for anyone Anyone who would say, I want that love. Anyone that would say, I want to follow Jesus. I want Christ in my life. I want God to be a part of it. It's not because I'm attractive on my own. It's not because I've somehow earned it, but because I want Jesus. And I know that he's the one that is pursuing me. He is the great lover. And so now if the ushers could come forward. I'm just gonna pray. And um, what... Just wait one second. And then we'll have an opportunity to come forward or to the back. We'll have two in the back, two in the front. And you can just come and, and take a piece of bread, dip it in the wine and participate in communion. Let me just bless this for us. God, we are so thankful that you have loved us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and you would make your love just manifest in us. God, that we would experience what we know in our head, what we've acknowledged theologically, that we would experience it. And God, we pray your blessings over this communion, God, that in some way that we would experience you more in this sacrament that you have given us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.